I've tried to get out of giving a reflection, but as you father just says, say something. <laughs> In the first reading, we, we hear about the call of Gideon, right? The call of Gideon. Gideon is one of the judges appointed, whom the Lord appointed to kind of, uh, as leaders of the Israelites. This is following the death of Joshua. Right? We have these series of judges. Gideon is one of them. So we hear about Gideon's call. And uh, the Israelites at the time of this first reading had turned away from God once again. And um, so they had been subjected to the power of the Midianites, right? These Midianite people. We've heard about them before. We've been hearing uh, we've been reading Genesis and then Exodus and so on during this stretch of ordinary time. You re may remember that Moses' wife was a Midianite. And in fact, uh, when Moses fled uh, after killing one of the Egyptian soldiers who had been mistreating one of the Hebrew people, he fled to that region called Midian and in fact married a Midianite wife there. So we've heard this name before. And uh, now the Israelites are sort of under the control of these Midianites. The Israelites by this time had become an agricultural people, but their best efforts to support themselves by farming the land were regularly pillaged and upended by the Midianites. And despite their having turned away from the Lord, we hear in the reading, they cry out to Yahweh for help. We need your help. Right? And of course, uh, God in his infinite mercy intervenes on their behalf once again. And these are the circumstances surrounding Gideon's call. I was listening to uh, Megan read the reading there. And I, what crept into my mind was Second um, Corinthians. St. Paul says, St. Paul reminds us, that uh, God's power, God's power is revealed, and I think he uses the word perfected. God's power is perfected in our weakness. And of course, we see this in Gideon. We just heard this whole reading. Um, no, God has this habit of bestowing names on people, titles. And did you notice what uh, it says the angel of the Lord, but then we see later in the reading that it's presumed to be God himself, right? It's a theophany. And did you notice how he greets Gideon? He says, the Lord is with you, O champion. Okay, that's like saying, O warrior, O valiant warrior, the Lord is with you. And Gideon there, uh, he, he says, you know, it's like, are you talking to me? I'm, I'm just a lowly farmer, and in this land... My family is among the most insignificant, and even within that family, I am one of the most insignificant people. Again, that reminds me very much of the call of Moses, right, which we heard during this, this stretch of ordinary time. It kind of should remind you of the theophany of the burning bush, right? Um, Moses said, you want me to go to Pharaoh? You want me to go to Pharaoh? Uh, do you know, Lord, that I am a fugitive from Pharaoh? I have, I've killed an Egyptian. This is why I'm over here. Okay, I'm, I've fled Egypt. I can't go back over there. Of course, the Lord, in both the case of Gideon and Moses, says, don't worry about it. This is what I want you to do, O champion, O valiant warrior. It's these titles that 
The Lord likes to give. The Lord loves to give a name and a title to a person, right? It's not, not unusual at all. And with that name comes an identity. And with that name come grace and power. It's not unusual at all. We hear it a lot in the Old Testament. We've heard it a lot during this stretch of ordinary time. Abram, right? Abram, who had no children. God says, you know what? I think I'm going to call you Abraham, which of course means father of multitudes. And yes, with, with Abraham's faithfulness to God, it happens. He does become a father of multitudes, right? Um, more recently, we read about Jacob, right? Jacob, whose name means, if I'm not mistaken, supplanter, right? The one who replaces somebody. Absolutely. He, you remember the story, he replaced his older brother Esau, right? He kind of, the scripture says, he stole the birthright from Esau. He supplanted him. But then we also know that later, because of, and through many trials and tribulations, but because he remains faithful to God, God tells him, you know what, I think your name will be Israel, right? Your name will be Israel, and what does that mean? It means one who prevails with God. From, so from supplanter to one who prevails with God. We hear it in the New Testament, right? Simon, Simon Peter, Simon, who's, and again, I think Simon, I think the name means hearer, one who hears. Right? But we all know Jesus tells him what? Well, you're going to be more than a hearer, okay? You are now going, not Simon anymore, you will now be called Peter, and you will be this rock, right, upon which my church will be built. And of course, Peter grows into that name, into that name, how important that name is. Peter grows into that name, into that identity, really, throughout his whole life. I think that predilection, that partiality, is in every call by God and in every mission from God. We see that present. Did you ever think that God has a name for you, for each of you? And that name, that title, is unique to you. Just imagine how unique you are. There is no one else who has that name and that title. And when God thinks of you, he thinks of that name. And in that name is reflected a unique mission on your behalf. It's your mission and no one else's. And that name that God refers to you by is unique to you. I'm thinking of um, John 13 or 14, somewhere in there, with the beginning of the Passion narrative. We hear... Uh, Jesus tell his disciples, I have prepared a place for you. And of course, this is the beginning of the Passion, so he's talking about the heavenly homeland. He says, oh, my father's house has many rooms, and, I, and you will eventually follow me, and I have prepared a place for you. But it struck me we could take those words as maybe meaning here and now. The Lord has prepared a place for you has a name for you, has a mission for you. He refers to you by that name. I have prepared a place for you here, a unique contribution you have to the building of my kingdom. And of course, God does not see or does not dwell 
on our past. He sees only potential, right? He wants you to grow into that name. We, we are the ones who see our shortcomings a lot. Okay, no, I, you know, I can't do that. I have no talent. I have no skill. But God sees only potential, and that potential is reflected on whatever, in whatever name God has for you. So God, yes, God has a name for you. And I think like the call of Moses and Gideon, probably that name has something to do with love of neighbor, right? has something to do with caring for God's people, with bringing healing and wholeness into the lives of the people of God. I, every call that I can think of has something to do with that. And I think that's where the gospel comes in. You hear about, you know, okay, a rich person, it's, it's easier to, for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle. It might be easier to think of that gospel when I was reading it, I was reminded of another gospel that we had recently. It was on a Sunday, maybe two weeks ago or so. The parable of the rich fool. I think you all know what I'm talking about. Ooh, let me, I got so much grain here. Let me build some larger bins. Let me destroy the ones I have. Build some larger ones. Fill up those bins with grain. And then relax. I can eat, drink, and be merry. I have all this grain. I can live for years to come, not have to, live a not have to lift a finger. What's the problem? Is the problem saving for a rainy day? I hope not, because I, I do it a lot. Okay? I don't think that's the problem. In fact, we might recall the Joseph of Genesis did the same thing. We heard those readings, this, again, during this stretch of ordinary time. Did the same thing for the Pharaoh, right? Joseph said, we got all this extra grain. Let's build some storage bins, put those things in there, right? So is, is Joseph sinning like the man in the parable? No. Joseph feeds a lot of people with that grain. The problem with the rich man is what? It's all too many capital I's. Okay, I have enough grain for myself. I can sit back and relax. Right? Too many eyes and no concern for neighbor, no concern for anyone else. No idea that the Lord has a name for him and in that name is reflected, could be reflected, a unique contribution of his that has something to do with love of neighbor. St. Peter, in his, one of his letters, says you are a living stone. You are a living stone. You're a stone that fits right there in that spot. And how unique are you? No one else can fill that spot. And God has a name for that stone. You, right? No one else can fill that spot. Through proper prayer and discernment, we can learn the character of our names. You may not know the exact name, but we certainly can learn their character. And without your acknowledgement of the character of that name, without your yes to its mission, then that little spot remains unfilled because no one else can fill it. Doesn't mean that the building will crumble, but there's a little hole there that remains unfilled and the building is not quite complete without your consent. And so maybe we pray with thanksgiving today that the Lord chooses, right? He could have done it by himself, 
The Lord chooses to want us, to, the Lord chooses to need us in the building of his kingdom. This is a choice by the Lord, right? The Lord chooses to want and need us in the building of his kingdom. We pray with thanksgiving that God has a name unique to each of us and we are called to be instruments in his hand. Let us continue to be guardians and shepherds of one another.